Chapter 17 I am against you, O Gog. Ezekiel 38, 3 Focus Explaining the identity of both Gog and the land that he invades. Paragraphs 1 and 2 Question What great war is just ahead, and what questions arise concerning it? For thousands of years, this earth has been stained with the blood of human warfare, including the bloodbath that marked the two world wars of the twentieth century. But the greatest war of all human history is just ahead. This war, however, will not be merely a human conflict with earthly nations fighting one another only for selfish reasons. Rather, this coming war will be the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Revelation 16:14. Provoking this war, an arrogant enemy will invade a land precious to God. That invasion will cause the Sovereign Lord Jehovah to unleash the greatest demonstration of His destructive power ever seen on earth. Some key questions naturally arise. Who is this enemy? What land will he invade? When, why, and how will he invade this land? Since these future events will involve us, Jehovah's pure worshipers on earth, we need to know the answers. We can find them in a thrilling prophecy recorded in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. The Enemy, Gog of Magog Paragraph 3 Explain the gist of Ezekiel's prophecy regarding Gog of Magog. Ezekiel 38, 1 and 2 reads, The word of Jehovah again came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the head chieftain of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Verse 8 reads, You will be given attention after many days. In the final part of the years you will invade the land whose people have been restored from the ravages of the sword, collected together out of many peoples onto the mountains of Israel, which had long been lying devastated. The inhabitants of this land were restored from the peoples, and all of them dwell in security. Verse 18 reads, On that day, the day when Gog invades the land of Israel, declares the Sovereign Lord Jehovah, my great rage will flare up. Ezekiel 39.4 reads, On the mountains of Israel you will fall, you and all your troops and the peoples who will be with you. I will give you as food to all kinds of birds of prey and the wild beasts of the field. Verse 11 reads, On that day I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel in the valley of those who travel east of the sea, and it will block the path of those passing through. That is where they will bury Gog and all his hordes, and they will call it the valley of Haman Gog. Here is the gist of the prophecy. In the final part of the years, an enemy called Gog of Magog invades the land of God's people. But that vicious attack causes Jehovah's great rage to flare up and Jehovah steps in and defeats Gog. The footnote reads, In the next chapter of this publication, we will discuss how and when Jehovah's great rage will flare up against Gog of Magog, and what this will mean for pure worshipers. End of footnote. Victorious, 
Jehovah gives his defeated enemy and all those with him as food to all kinds of birds of prey and the wild beasts. Finally, Jehovah gives Gog a burial place. To understand how this prophecy will be fulfilled in the near future, we first need to identify Gog. Paragraph 4. Question. What may we conclude about Gog of Magog? Who then is Gog of Magog? From Ezekiel's description, we may conclude that Gog is an enemy of pure worshippers. Is Gog a prophetic name for Satan, the greatest of all enemies of true worship? For many decades, that is what our publication said. However, a further consideration of Ezekiel's prophecy led to an adjustment in our understanding. The Watchtower explained that the title Gog of Magog refers not to an invisible spirit creature, but to a visible human enemy, a coalition of nations that will fight against pure worship. Before we review the basis for such a conclusion, let us first examine two clues in Ezekiel's prophecy that indicate that Gog is not a spirit creature. Paragraphs 5 and 6. Question. What in Ezekiel's prophecy suggests that Gog of Magog is not a spirit creature? I will give you as food to all kinds of birds of prey. Ezekiel 39, 4. The scriptures often use the idea of birds of prey devouring a carcass as a warning of divine judgment. God gave such warnings to the nation of Israel as well as to non-Israelite nations. Note, though, that those divine warnings were given not to spirit creatures, but to flesh-and-blood humans. After all, birds of prey and wild beasts eat flesh, not spirit. So this divine warning in Ezekiel's prophecy suggests that Gog is not a spirit creature. I will give Gog a burial place in Israel. Ezekiel 39, 11. The scriptures do not speak of spirit creatures as being buried on earth. Rather, Satan and his demons will be abyssed for one thousand years, and later they will be hurled into the symbolic lake of fire, signifying their everlasting destruction. Since Gog is spoken of as being given a burial place on earth, we may conclude that he is not a spirit creature. Paragraphs 7 and 8. Question. When will the king of the north come to his end, and how is this similar to what will happen to Gog of Magog? If not a spirit creature, then who or what is Gog, the enemy who will launch a final attack on pure worshippers? Consider two Bible prophecies that help us to identify Gog of Magog. The King of the North Daniel 11, 40-45 reads, in the time of the end, the king of the south will engage with him in a pushing, and against him the king of the north will storm with chariots and horsemen and many ships, and he will enter into the lands and sweep through like a flood. He will also enter into the land of the decoration, and many lands will be made to stumble. But these are the ones that will escape out of his hand, Edom and Moab, and the main part of the Ammonites and he will keep thrusting out his hand against the lands. And as regards the land of Egypt, she will not escape. And he will rule over the hidden treasures of gold and silver, and over all the desirable things of Egypt. 
and the Libyans and the Ethiopians will be at his steps. But reports out of the east and out of the north will disturb him, and he will go out in a great rage to annihilate and to devote many to destruction. And he will plant his royal tents between the grand sea and the holy mountain of decoration, and he will come all the way to his end, and there will be no helper for him. Daniel foretold the march of world powers from his day down to our time. The prophecy also mentions rival political foes, the king of the south and the king of the north, each of them having changed identity over the centuries as various earthly nations have fought for supremacy. Regarding the final campaign of the king of the north in the time of the end, Daniel said, He will go out in a great rage to annihilate and to devote many to destruction. Jehovah's worshippers are the primary target of the king of the north. The footnote reads, Daniel 11.45 indicates that the king of the north will target God's people, for it says that this king will plant his royal tents between the Grand Sea, Mediterranean, and the holy mountain of decoration where God's temple once stood and where God's people worshipped. End of footnote. But like Gog of Magog, the king of the north comes to his end after failing in his attack on God's people. Paragraph 9. Question. What similarity is there between what happens to Gog of Magog and what happens to the kings of the entire inhabited earth? The kings of the entire inhabited earth. Revelation 16.14 reads, They are, in fact, expressions inspired by demons, and they perform signs and they go out to the kings of the entire inhabited earth to gather them together to the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Verse 16 reads, And they gathered them together to the place that is called in Hebrew Armageddon. Revelation 17.14 reads, These will battle with the Lamb, but because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, the Lamb will conquer them. Also, those with him who are called and chosen and faithful will do so. Revelation 19, 19 and 20 reads, And I saw the wild beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the one seated on the horse and against his army. And the wild beast was caught, and along with it the false prophet that performed in front of it the signs with which he misled those who received the mark of the wild beast and those who worship its image. While still alive, they both were hurled into the fiery lake that burns with sulfur. The book of Revelation foretold an attack by the kings of the earth on the king of kings, the heavenly Jesus. But unable to reach into the heavens, the rebels attack the earthly supporters of the kingdom. The kings of the earth then find themselves on the losing side in the battle at Armageddon. Notice that they come to their end after attacking Jehovah's people. This is similar to what is said about Gog of Magog. The footnote reads, The Bible also speaks of an attack by the modern-day Assyrian who will seek to wipe out God's people. The four attacks foretold to come upon God's people by Gog of Magog, by the king of the north, by the kings of the earth, and by the Assyrian may refer to the same attack under different names. End of footnote. Paragraph 10. Question. 
What may we conclude about the identity of Gog of Magog? In view of the foregoing, what may we conclude about the identity of Gog? First, Gog is not a spirit creature. Second, Gog refers to earthly nations that will attack God's people in the near future. Those nations will undoubtedly form a coalition, that is, they will band together somehow. Why? Since God's people are found earthwide, the nations will need to be united in purpose and action to attack them. Make no mistake, Satan will be the evil mastermind behind the attack. He has long influenced worldly nations to oppose true worship. But Ezekiel's prophetic words about Gog of Magog focus on the role of the earthly nations that will attack Jehovah's people. The footnote reads, See chapter 22 of this publication for a discussion about the identity of the Gog and Magog mentioned at Revelation 20, verses 7 through 9. End of footnote. The Land. What is it? Paragraph 11. Question. How does Ezekiel's prophecy describe the land that Gog will invade? As we learned in paragraph 3, Gog of Magog will provoke Jehovah's great rage by invading a land that is precious to Jehovah. What land is this? Let us return to Ezekiel's prophecy. Ezekiel 38, 8-12 reads, You will be given attention after many days. In the final part of the years, you will invade the land whose people have been restored from the ravages of the sword, collected together out of many peoples onto the mountains of Israel, which had long been lying devastated. The inhabitants of this land were restored from the peoples, and all of them dwell in security. You will come against them like a storm, and you will cover the land like clouds, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. This is what the Sovereign Lord Jehovah says. In that day, thoughts will come into your heart, and you will devise an evil plan. You will say, I will invade the land of unprotected settlements. I will come against those living in security, without disturbance, all of them living in settlements unprotected by walls, bars, or gates. It will be to take much spoil and plunder, to attack the devastated places that are now inhabited, and a people regathered from the nations, who are accumulating wealth and property, those who are living in the center of the earth. It says that Gog will invade the land whose people have been restored and regathered from the nations. Note, too, what it says about the restored worshippers who reside in this land. They dwell in security. Their settlements are unprotected by walls, bars, or gates, and they are accumulating wealth. This is the land in which Jehovah's pure worshippers earthwide reside. How can we identify it? Paragraph 12. Question. What restoration happened in the land of Israel in Bible times? It is helpful to consider the restoration that happened in ancient Israel the land where God's chosen people lived, worked, and worshipped for centuries. When the Israelites proved unfaithful, Jehovah, through Ezekiel, foretold that their land would be devastated and left desolate. 
But Jehovah also prophesied that a repentant remnant would later return from exile in Babylon and restore pure worship in the land. With Jehovah's blessing, the land of Israel would be transformed, flourishing like the Garden of Eden. Ezekiel 36, 34-36 That restoration took place starting in 537 BCE, when Jewish exiles returned to Jerusalem to restore true worship in their beloved homeland. Paragraphs 13 and 14, Question A. What is the spiritual land? Question B. Why is this land precious to Jehovah? In modern times, God's pure worshipers experienced a similar restoration. As we learned in chapter 9 of this publication, by 1919, God's people were freed from the long captivity in Babylon the Great. In that year, Jehovah brought his restored worshipers into a spiritual land. That land is the spiritual paradise, the secure, spiritually prosperous environment or realm of activity in which we worship the true God. In this land, we dwell together in security, with peace of mind and heart. We receive an abundance of spiritual food, and we have plenty of satisfying work to do in proclaiming God's kingdom. Indeed, we experience the truth of the proverb, It is the blessing of Jehovah that makes one rich, and he adds no pain with it. Proverbs 10.22 No matter where we may live on this earth, we are in this land, the spiritual paradise as long as we are actively supporting pure worship in word and in deed. This spiritual land is precious to Jehovah. Why? In His eyes, its inhabitants are the precious things of all the nations, individuals whom He has drawn to pure worship. Haggai 2.7 They are earnestly endeavoring to put on a new personality one that reflects God's own lofty qualities. As pure worshipers, they offer themselves fully in His service, doing so in ways that glorify Him and prove their love for Him. We can only imagine the joy that must fill Jehovah's heart as He sees His worshipers working hard to beautify the spiritual land. Just think, by giving pure worship priority in your life, you not only beautify the spiritual paradise, but also make Jehovah's heart rejoice. The Land When, Why, and How Will Gog Invade It? Paragraphs 15 and 16 Question When will Gog of Magog invade our restored spiritual land? It is sobering to think that soon a coalition of earthly nations will invade our precious spiritual land. Since this foretold attack will involve us as Jehovah's pure worshipers, we want to know more about it. Consider three questions that naturally arise. When will Gog of Magog invade our restored spiritual land? The prophecy answers, In the final part of the years you will invade the land. Ezekiel 38, 8. This suggests a time close to the end of this system of things. Remember that the Great Tribulation will begin with the destruction of Babylon the Great, the world empire of false religion. After false religious institutions have been destroyed, 
and before Armageddon begins, Gog will launch a final all-out attack on true worshipers. Paragraphs 17 and 18. Question. How will Jehovah guide matters during the Great Tribulation? Why will Gog invade the restored land of Jehovah's pure worshipers? Ezekiel's prophecy reveals two factors. First, Jehovah's guiding hand, and second, Gog's evil motives. Jehovah's Guiding Hand Ezekiel 38.4 reads, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all of them clothed in splendor, a vast assembly with large shields and bucklers, all of them wielding swords. Verse 16 reads, Like clouds covering the land you will come against my people Israel. In the final part of the days I will bring you against my land, so that the nations may know me when I sanctify myself through you before their eyes, O Gog. Notice what Jehovah says to Gog. I will put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you against my land. Do those words mean that Jehovah will force the nations to attack his own worshipers? Of course not. He would never cause evil to befall his people. But Jehovah knows his enemies, that they will hate pure worshipers and will not be able to resist an opportunity to try to wipe them out. As if putting hooks in Gog's jaws and leading him along, Jehovah will guide matters so that events will unfold according to his will and timetable. At some point following the destruction of Babylon the Great, Jehovah may in some way lure the nations into carrying out what is already in their hearts. Jehovah will thus set the stage for the attack that leads to Armageddon, earth's greatest war. Then he will deliver his people, magnify his sovereignty, and sanctify his holy name. Paragraph 19. Question. What will motivate Gog to try to plunder pure worship? Gog's Evil Motives The nations will devise an evil plan. They will seek to vent their long-standing rage and hatred on Jehovah's worshipers, who will seem vulnerable, as if living in settlements unprotected by walls, bars, or gates. The nations will also be eager to take much spoil and plunder from those who are accumulating wealth. Ezekiel 38, 10-12 What Wealth? Jehovah's people have great spiritual wealth. Our most precious possession is our pure worship, which we give to Jehovah alone. The nations will seek to plunder pure worship, not because they value it, but because they hate it and all who promote it. Paragraph 20. Question. How will Gog invade the spiritual land or paradise? How will Gog invade the spiritual land or paradise? The nations may try to disrupt our way of life and stop us from carrying out our worship. To that end, perhaps they will try to interrupt the flow of spiritual food, prevent us from meeting together, break up the unity we enjoy, and stop us from zealously proclaiming God's message. All of those are elements of the spiritual paradise. Egged on by Satan, the nations will try to efface true worshipers, and along with them, pure worship from the earth.
Paragraph 21. Question. Why are you thankful that Jehovah has warned us about what is just ahead? The coming attack by Gog of Magog will affect all true worshipers in the God-given spiritual land. How thankful we are that Jehovah has warned us about what is just ahead. Meanwhile, as we await the Great Tribulation, may we be determined to uphold pure worship, giving it priority in our lives. By so doing, we will contribute to the beauty of the restored land now, and we will put ourselves in line to witness something truly spectacular in the near future, how Jehovah will stand up for His people and His holy name at Armageddon, as the next chapter will explain. Your Place in Pure Worship 1. Explain the Identity of Gog of Magog 2. What is the spiritual land, and how can you beautify it? 3. While awaiting the Great Tribulation, what should we be determined to do, and why?